Hello. The High Court recently handed down its judgment in the consequential hearing following the Lidl against Tesco case. As a reminder, the court found in the first instance that Tesco's club card infringed Lidl's trademarks in its Lidl logo, the copyright, and it constituted passing off. Following that judgment, Tesco agreed to a final injunction in respect to the trademark infringement and passing off claims. So the consequential hearing is where the parties were disputing amongst some minor points whether a final injunction against the copyright infringement was justified on the facts of the case. Tesco submitted that only damages should be awarded. In relation to the question of whether an injunction should be granted or not, the judge summarised the applicable law on the discretion to award damages in lieu of an injunction. It's a power that should be exercised having regard to the particular facts of the case, and although the discretion is unfettered, the prima facie position is that an injunction should be granted, and the legal burden is on the defendant to show why it should not. The judge referred to the seminal case of Shelfer against City of London Electric Lighting Company, 1895, where the court identified four factors as tending to indicate that damages and substitution for an injunction may be appropriate. These were, one, if the injury to the plaintiff's legal rights is small, two, it's one which is capable of being estimated in money, three, it can be adequately compensated by a small money payment, and four, it would be oppressive to the defendant to grant an injunction. But those four factors must not fetter the exercise of the court's discretion, and they do not operate as a statute or a straitjacket. And then looking at the IP rights cases in particular, the judge noted that Article 3.2 of the Enforcement Directive focuses on similar considerations when deciding whether or not to grant an injunction, but different language is used. So, namely, efficacy, proportionality, dissuasiveness, the avoidance of creating barriers to legitimate trade and the provision of safeguards against abuse. And then turning to the assessment of damages, the principles are well established. The judge referred to General Tire and Rubber Company against Firestone Tire and Rubber Company, 1975, where the court identified three main types of categories. Um, one, the diversion of sales, two, royalties, and three, uh, which is the focus of this judgment, which is sometimes referred to as the application of the user principle. And that's where it's for the claimant to reduce evidence of, for example, uh, practice and the relevant trade to guide the court as to the sum that would be arrived at in negotiations between the parties had each been making reasonable use of their respective bargaining positions in the commercial context at the time that the notional negotiations should have taken place. In their submissions, both parties referred to the four Shelford tests, but they arrived at completely different answers to those tests. Lidl, in summary, argued that the starting point was that Tesco would be negotiating with Lidl as a competitor market, uh, sorry, competitor supermarket for a license to copy the Lidl sign to the detriment of its brand value and to the benefit of Tesco. Lidl submitted that one, the injury to his rights of ongoing infringement would be substantial. The injury wasn't easy to estimate in monetary terms because of the inherent difficulty involved in assessing the full extent of the unfair advantage that would be achieved by Tesco. And three, it couldn't be adequately compensated by a small money payment. By contrast, Tesco submitted that this was effectively a trademark dispute and the copyright claim had very limited worth. They submitted that in the notional negotiations, Lidl and Tesco would be competitors in a, quote, market of strikingly low value. They relied on evidence to show that an alternative sign would have cost in the region of £25,000.
Now, at the outset, the judge held that the copyright is a monopoly right, and Tesco were effectively asking for a compulsory license to use the sign. So the burden was on Tesco to show the injunction would be disproportionate, and that was a heavy burden, particularly where there was uncertainty over the true value of Lidl's future loss. The judge then considered the four shelfer factors. First, is the injury to Lidl small? In considering this, the judge held that she couldn't ignore the purpose for which Tesco intended to use the work, the value of that use to Tesco, and the unfair advantage would Lidl perceive Tesco to achieve through its use. To ignore all of that would be to divorce the notional negotiation from its commercial context and all reality. And Tesco was wrong, the judge held, that the copyright infringement claim was had little or no inherent value. The price of £25,000 for a rudimentary design didn't adequately reflect the true level of Lidl's likely loss or the commercial context. So no, she said, the injury was very likely to be substantial. Second, were... Sorry, were, were Lidl's injuries capable of being estimated in money? Given her conclusion to the first question, it followed the judge held that there was no obvious or easy means of assessing the monetary value of Lidl's claim to future loss if the court didn't grant an injunction. And then assessing damages for past infringement of the utmost relevance was the question of how long the benefit of the unfair advantage Tesco obtained would last, again in the context of awarding damages in lieu of the injunction. But the value of any notional license for ongoing use of the copyright work was extremely difficult to assess. Third, could the injury to Lidl's rights be adequately compensated by a small money payment? The judge held that was impossible to answer in the affirmative. The evidence showed Tesco had made millions of copies of the Lidl logo for prominent display across the country and online. Tesco wanted to continue with that in the future without restraint. It was unrealistic to think that Lidl's injuries could be adequately compensated with a small one-off payment. And finally, would it be oppressive to Tesco to grant an injunction? The judge noted that each case turns on its own facts, of course, and also that failing to meet the shelfer test doesn't necessarily mean that the court will grant an injunction. But in her judgment, where the first three shelfer questions are answered in the negative, it will be an unusual case in which the court refuses to grant the injunction on grounds of oppression. The burden is heavily on the defendant to establish that the impact of an injunction would be oppressive. The judge also noted that... Lidl had made Part 36 offers where Tesco was offered grace period and, uh, periods and quantum was assessed and the judge held that they were all reasonable. So Tesco was aware of the risks and yet persisted with its unlawful use. The fact that it would take a long time or fairly long time for Tesco to make the changes and cost around £8 million pounds were, was enough, sorry, was not enough to shift the dial in Tesco's favour. And taking all the factors into account, the judge was not persuaded that she should exercise her discretion to award damages in lieu of an injunction. Little had a legitimate interest in seeking a final injunction to prevent use of its artistic work in the form of the Little logo, and it would be neither oppressive nor disproportionate to grant such an injunction. This is a good illustration of the court applying the well-known shelfer factors in modern times and shows just how high the burden is on the party seeking damages in lieu of an injunction. Thanks for listening.